Welcome again, everyone, to another episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name is Alon. And my name's Ara. And we should tell people that this is a special morning edition of Chatterbox. Ara's not a morning person. Why would you say something like that? I admittedly am not a morning person either, but 10.41 a.m. is no longer morning for me. Well... At least you can speak at normal speed in the morning. Yeah. So let me tell you what happened this morning. I. Was, you mean you were awake be- even before this? Yes. I yeah. can't even fathom. I don't know. Have I described on on the show before my my setup in bed? I've got the iPad on an articulated arm right above me, and so I just like lay in bed and read the Facebooks and the feeds and all that stuff. Well, you you told me how wonderful it is, but okay. I think this is the first time you're mentioning on the show. I can't remember. I can't remember. But it's it's one of those like flexi arm things. Yeah, it costs like, like seventy thousand dollars. It was it's the best overly priced, have. but the best expense. Yeah. It's, uh, I got it from the Apple store, which is why it was priced too much, but it's not much different online. Anyway, it's made for the iPad, so the iPad's right above my head, and I can watch movies or, like, when I wake up, use it for, for, like I said, reading the feeds and things. So this morning I was reading that Killer Instinct for the Xbox One just got a patch, a big-ish patch to fix a bunch of stuff, and more, um, I guess, uh, something that people will notice more often is that they changed the free character that you use. Because, you know, the game's free to play, right? And you get one character. You get one character, and that's Jago. And now they just changed it. This is the first change to the free character they've made. So now Saberwolf is the free character. So if you haven't played Saberwolf yet, you can now. Wait, so what if you've already played Jago and you haven't paid anything? Is he gone? Or He's not gone? free anymore. So, so you presumably gone. would have to pay for him the $5 to pay. So he's they, not gone. He's in the game. They just... give it to you, and then they take it away. Well, they rotate it, they which rotate is great. It. I actually like that. But here's the thing. I, um, I actually I meant to, to message my friend at Microsoft before the show, but I forgot. Um, the game has what they call a dojo mode, which is just a training mode. Like yeah. Street Fighter and every other game has this. Well, recent games have this where like, all right, I'm using this character. Now take me through all of the moves that he or she has and basically teach me how to use this character. Right? So they have this dojo mode. But when you open it, there's no chance to ever change the character that you're using. It is just Jago. That's it. And so I know Jago pretty damn well, but I don't want to use Jago. I want to use Glacius because he's the character I used in the original Killer Instinct, even though they kind of nerfed him in this game. Um, I want to learn how to use him properly out of nostalgia, if nothing else. And um, there's no option for that. So now that they've changed the free character to Saberwolf... Now, of course, I don't have the free version anymore. I have the penultimate edition, the fanciest of fancy versions for this game. Well, second two. No. Well, (laughs) okay. So um, anyway, I have the fanciest version, and so now all the characters are unlocked. So I can't can't actually witness for myself this... uh, this you know one free character not having every other character but i went into dojo mode and it is still just jago so i guess if you use Saberwolf for free you still can use jago but only in the training mode that sounds like a little bit of an oversight yeah but furthermore what if this is the first time you, like you just got an xbox today and you go to play their free-to-play game and Saberwolf is the character you get to use or in a month a different character or in a month a different character and you go into the dojo because you want to train and learn how to play the game but they give you the wrong damn character, the one that you can't use. It sounds like if this was intentional, that they never intended dojo mode to be anything other than a most basic, here's how to play. Yeah, let me tell you, it is by no means basic. And it gets that's crazy the impression hard. I got, too, from how you were talking. So Yeah, it's not like, here's five steps. There's like 32 different things. It's, it's very much like Street Fighter. It's modeled after Street Fighter 4, where like, here, do this special move you know three times on the the character just standing over there and then okay do this combo and now do this other harder combo now do this other ridiculously difficult string of combos exactly the way we tell you to do them um and each combo is different for each character because they all have different moves right they all string together differently yeah, they have different I, openers I guess and they closers. don't have enough designers on staff to yeah so redo it for a different a different character so that's weird to me that now people are starting with the wrong character or with a different character, then they go into dojo mode and they train with the wrong person. So that's annoying. 
But let me tell you what else. I was I turned it on today specifically to see well what has changed. Is some, I wanted to know is Dojo mode going to be available for a different character now? Um, because then maybe one day it would be there for the character that I want to learn. But furthermore, I, I mean I could use it to learn Saberwolf now. So anyway, it is not just like I described. But then I realized something else. I went to they have this what they call meld which. I don't know why they call it that, but you just press Y and it goes into this like, here's the challenges we have for you this week. And they change every week or month or whatever. Is something being melded? I don't know. But it's also where you access the community information or look at the videos people have shared with the game. So it's, it's basically like the, here's online info and stuff you can access relating to this game. So I go in there. And before I had the penultimate edition, when you went in there, it had a big old, you know, the squares on Xbox, right? The big old thing. What do they call those on Microsoft and, and Xbox? Squares. Not square. Tiles. Big old tile for register your pin ultimate edition. Now, when I got my pin ultimate edition, finally, remember it took me a couple weeks, um, I finally got it. I went there, and there was no register pin ultimate edition, right? Like, I just, I used the little code with the camera thing to unlock it, and great. Um, and I think I've already talked about the headache that was getting the Killer Instinct classic version available, because that was, I still have no idea how to do it, but one day it just sort of appeared. Um, anyway, there was no option to register the penultimate edition. So I've just been waiting for challenges related to penultimate edition to show up. Like, when do I get to do this thing that gets me the new pin? Because you, there's like 14 pins I need to collect. And so I went into the meld mode. And it's it's like the standard interface when you're browsing new games and stuff, how there's like a few tiles and then there's the little ellipses so you can look at other things that are also news. Right. So I opened that up. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, your January challenge for the penultimate edition is here as of December 20th, two friggin' weeks ago. So it was buried somewhere. I, yeah, and it said, just make sure you register penultimate. I was like, well, haven't I already registered it? So I clicked, and it takes me to Internet Explorer where I have to use their really crappy interface to enter stuff, including, by the way, the 25-digit code that I used to register penultimate edition, even though I used the camera to register it. Um, and I thought to myself, what if I had thrown this card away since it is now useless to me since I already unlocked the game? In addition, since I unlocked the game, why do I have to register it somewhere else? Clearly, I unlocked it. It's attached to my username, which you know my email address for. Why do I have to go through this step? It was very silly. But what bugs me is that it was it was deep in this set of... And I've been checking it frequently, right, to look for the new penultimate edition or challenge thing. It was not there. I had to dig in to find it. And now I only have two weeks left to do it, and I'm leaving for a week, so that's annoying. Um, and, by the way, it's really hard. I'm going to have to win four consecutive matches in ranked mode. Sounds to me it's not easy. like they had the penultimate designers on this part of the project. Yeah, it, it might have been. Um, but it's really frustrating. The interface all around with this game has been piss poor. And one reason, one thing I wanted to, to talk about with this is the fact that you know this entire game is essentially fan service. It's essentially like we know people have been wanting Killer Instinct for a long time. We don't know if it would sell, so we're going to do this funky thing with the free-to-play, whatever, see how it works out. But we know people want it, so we're going to finally release it. It's weird that they got it available for launch, but they got it for launch. Um, partly, I guess, because it's piecemeal. They still haven't released two of the characters and stuff like that. Um, but if that's the case, the super-duper fans, who are basically the entire market for this game, the super-echelon of fans are the ones who got the penultimate edition. And... Those people are getting screwed because there's zero communication about how this thing works. I went onto the Microsoft Store to learn about You just search Killer Instinct Penultimate Edition, and all you see are articles from three months ago talking about the fact that it's going to exist, and nobody really knows how it's going to work. And then the Microsoft Store where you can buy it, even though it's constantly out of stock. And then there's no description about how to get the pins or how it's going to work. Apparently, you actually, what ends up happening, now that I've registered it and there were some terms for me to read, you actually... Uh, you do the challenge, and when you do the challenge, it gives you a code. And then you have to go to the Penny Arcade, Penny Arcade store, put in your code, which reduces it to to free. Plus, you have to pay shipping and handling. But um, like, you can buy all these pins for like three dollars or something. But it just makes it free, and then they you pay for shipping. Um, but the only reason that's explained is because I went to the registration thing for it, and it should be explained prior it should be explained somewhere there should be something when i buy the stupid game that it actually makes available to me the information about what i have to do there has to be some sort of notice now that i've registered which was the hidden thing and really important supposedly it's going it's going to send me emails because i checked the box send me emails about updates to the to the program and all that you know what this sounds like to me 
oversight. It's basically an oversight. But what well, bugs me is that the whole thing was fan service, and it's the super fans that they're not communicating with properly. This is this is just what happens every time when development doesn't have enough time and resources. The details get Honestly, short shrift, and I think sometimes it's that, the details are the most important. Like no, but I, I'm sure you've experienced this, where the people who develop the game or the people who are really into whatever it is you're dealing with in life, the people who really know something or some product are not necessarily the ones who know how to communicate very well, right? So I wouldn't necessarily say they should go to marketers for this, but developers are probably not the ones thinking about how do we communicate this stuff about Penultimate Edition? They're like, well, how do we build it? It's a, it's a low priority. It's interesting that you're bringing this up now. But because... communi- lack of communication means lack of adoption, which means perceived failure. And the only perceived failure is the fact that they didn't communicate how the hell it works. Then people might have actually used it. Yeah, but, it's, but you also understand that it's low priority compared to all their other stuff, right? So that definitely happened. So in, with one, in one point, yes, they have to keep building the game. But the whole point of the game is getting people to use it. And this is one of their major efforts to get people to want to play it continually. Like this game, it's all about show me a new challenge every week. Someone's developing that. It's ironically counterproductive, isn't yeah. it? What's interesting, too, is they built in a specific communication vehicle, that meld thing. But nowhere did they actually build it into the infrastructure of the game where I got the penultimate edition, so now communicate with me penultimate stuff. I actually wonder if that, that aspect of the game is something that was foisted upon the developer because that happens sometimes too honestly where, it probably where, was where developers have to implement features or systems that they don't think well they don't want to right and and they're 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 compelled to by the publisher and so what ends up happening sometimes is that they just know they don't it, put all their it might be into but it. then the marketing people who came up with the idea also need to understand communication of it i'm mad well at least someone's more angry Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we're back. Welcome to Chatterbox Late Morning Edition. <laughs> How is that? That's good. You see, during the break, you're like, let me clear my throat. And instantly I thought of that song that's all, let me clear my throat. You know, I don't even know who did. But uh, I wish I could just play that sound effect behind you every time you go. <coughs> <coughs> Never heard of it. Yeah. Okay. Um, before we continue, of course, UET.edu is the website for the University of Advancing Technology. We want you to visit them. And eventually pay to go to school there because that's, you know, why they pay us. Um, We have a Facebook page. And on that Facebook page, I've been posting things, things for people to read. By the way, our Facebook page is slash Chatterbox Video Game Radio. It's really long, but it's linked from our website, which you can also find very easily. Um, One of our our most visible or or seen posts, according to Facebook, is the most recent one I posted about uh, Deadpool leaving the digital stores, you know, the digital stores that exist these days. Deadpool, Marvel game. And I guess a bunch of Marvel um, Activision games were, were delisted from the digital stores. Did you see the post I put up about this or, or read the article? Uh, no, I was way too busy uh, reading all the posts of the, our listeners who were upset at me. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that in a minute. So uh, let me talk about this, though. Um, so licensing deals, force removal from stores in some, in some cases. And this is not the first time this has happened. Oh, that must be the reason why. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's the claim, right? So the licensing deal ran out. <clears throat> and it's strange to me because licensing has existed during, you know, physical games as well, before digital distribution was the thing. In fact, it still does. I'm willing to bet many of these games uh, are on disc 
and in the stores, uh, the digital stores, I mean. So if the licensing deals existed before, why are they suddenly acting differently in that they're removed from the stores? Why isn't the deal just, we're going to sell this game in our store, period? Like, we're never going to take it away. Why, why is there a deal that says you can only do it for so much time? I'm sure someone could answer that question. Now they can more easily, I guess. Yeah, I guess. So charge, like, you can have it, but only for a year, and then you have to pay more. But it's, it's dumb. And it made me realize, and, and why I put the post up on, on Facebook was, you know, right now you can go into your, I forget the name of the store here in Phoenix, Fallout Games. Are you familiar with Fallout Games? I'll say yes. Okay. Well, it's your it's your average like local chain, uh, you know, used game place. It's kind of cool. It replaces GameStop because GameStop is too international and corporate-y. So there's a few of them in the valley, at least two of them. Um, and you can go in there and you can buy Atari games, you can buy NES games, Super Nintendo, like Dreamcast, whatever. Basically, if it's a video game, they do not reject it. They may not have it, but they might. They may. Um, so you could today, or perhaps in a decade, rummage through and buy an NES game. And worst case, you have to replace the battery on it, in it if it's one of the games that has a battery. Because they're physical objects. Not just physical, ones that actually last. They don't get eaten by microbes and whatever, like CDs do. Or This is also true. And they don't break very easily. Um, but even discs. Unless right? you store them in Arizona, but that's Print, beside the point. Printed CDs do last a very long time. Uh, it's not like your, your burned discs that only last a few years. So anyway, you can go to vintage stores. You can buy this stuff just like you buy antiques, and they will still work if you buy them. Forget, forget online DRM stuff. Don't even worry about that right now. You can buy the physical thing, and you can play it. And with this age of digital distribution, which, you know, probably in the next generation of consoles, if, Nintendo, or if America gets its act together with um, internet accessibility and, and throughput, um, the next generation will probably be digital only, if not mostly digital distribution. This concept of, of vintage will simply not exist, not, not because of, you know, rarity, just impossibility. It's going to be, it's like cable. It's like cable TV. You just get what's there. And they can take it away or add to it whenever they want to, however they want to. And you're just, uh, you just have to suffer that no matter what. Yeah. And, it, you know, in one respect, I appreciate the utility that it provides when it can travel with me if I get a new system. If they set it up properly, I can download them on the new one. I don't need to carry around a bunch of games with me, just like with my iPod. Yeah, there's good and bad. It's a trade-off. <clears throat> yeah. But, but the idea of collecting is strong in the heart of, you know, fanboys like us we want we want our old stuff we want to be able to play it i want to be able to have my kids play an nes game right and in 50 years that concept will no longer exist because whatever new my kids have kids at that point and they won't ever have seen that because they won't ever be handling except for the things that i have uh these old games yeah, so the structure is uh not good to support yeah. collecting habits and then sure. and then even if if they do something like build in the ability to transfer licenses and stuff between users so you could sell your old games, um, and even if one of the companies, God forbid, is smart enough to say, when you buy a game on our system, if it is ever available on a future iteration of our systems, it will be part of the, the stuff that you own. Like Steam, right? Steam is just PC, and new PCs happen, but it's not like uh, you bought the game on Xbox 360 and it, there was an Xbox One version, so now you have to buy the Xbox One version. Right? It's not like that. It's You own it on Steam, and whatever new PC you have in 20 years, it's still going to be part of your Steam store or Steam library unless you know Steam changes something or goes away or whatever. Um, it's still going to be available to you. So Microsoft and Nintendo and whomever, especially, especially friggin' Nintendo, you buy a new Wii or Wii U and you can't even use the stuff because it's not attached to an account. It's attached to a system. Nintendo's stupid like that. But especially Nintendo, who has this long history of nostalgia and releasing virtual console games, if I bought Super Mario 3 on the Wii, I should be able to play Super Mario 3 for free on my Wii U and any system I log into and the next Nintendo system and the next one and the next one. You buy it once, you get to play it. Just like if I bought the cartridge and I had the console just like I might buy a virtual console version of the game, then I should be able to play that forever in whatever iteration they create, unless they somehow enhance the software in some special way and require repurchase. It should always be available, and Microsoft needs to do this too. Even if I buy a game for the Xbox One right now, and the Xbox Two or whatever the hell comes out next isn't compatible with Xbox One games, like the PS3 works with PS1 games, right? But it doesn't work with PS2 games except the very early version because it had the chip in it. Right. Um, any PS1 game I buy 
if the PS4 were somehow compatible, it should just automatically work with their emulation software. I should be able to use it. And they should just do that forever. They should just make a statement. Any game you buy with us, if we ever emulate it and make it available in the digital store, if you buy it digital now, it'll be available to you in the future. Which, by the way, would help their sales. If they, say, if they even say such a thing, do we, do we trust them? No, they may years? never make it possible, right? That's up to them. But they just need to say, if we ever do, you won't have to buy it again. It'll be part of your Microsoft Xbox library, period. Regardless of what we do with our systems in the future, if it's an option for you to have that game, you've bought it once, that's it. Yeah, I can you see Valve it. saying that. I, I, don't, I can't see Well, Valve Microsoft already does it because it's right. just the nature of their system. I can't see Microsoft saying that. Yeah. Well, it's too, it's too customer friendly. <laughs> Mike, what's weird is Microsoft has been taking a lot of steps to, to you know, give the customers what they want. They changed all of their ecosystem, whatever. Yeah, how now, they deal now with that they, they're... Their heads have been wrong enough. And it, Did you read the article about how after E3, when everyone was complaining about the DRM, they actually apparently considered, and I don't know how fleeting this consideration was, but they considered going digital only? Yeah, after I, saw E3? That, I saw that story running around. Yes. Yeah. Of course. It, make, it almost makes sense because, like, well, if we do this, then no one can complain because it's the only option. Right? So I, I kind of respect that. But, yeah, America is not ready for that with our, our Internet. Um, anyway. I think I think I'm close to rant over, but um, that's what they need to do. And I don't I don't know why people aren't thinking about this. And just maybe they are thinking about it and just not doing it. Well, we but have, as always, I'm right there, wrong. I win. Well, I lose. Well, as consumers, we have no choice. Yeah, it's ironically, true. We, it's true. But we this, have all the choices of the few choices we have. This this future of digital is very scary to me. And according to the few Facebook comments we have, it is scary to two out of the three people. <laughs> Or two thirds, <laughs> two thirds of Facebook of uh, Chatterbox Facebook fans agree. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. I mean, they're driving uh, the market in a direction, the the the, stru- the actual structure of the market. They're driving in a direction where there's these trade offs, and we don't we don't get to choose these trade offs. You know, we just get what we get. So. Well, you know, if you really care, be- become part of the system, right? <laughs> Go well, work at Microsoft. It's true, right? If there's enough consumer desire, then there's enough consumer desire to support another business who will do business in the way consumers want them to. And if there isn't, then it won't happen. I mean, that's. I mean, I guess that's the beauty of the free market, right? Yeah, well, that's what Steam is, right? Yeah. It's basically for gamers, I assume, by gamers. Valve is very gamer-ish. And that's probably, it sounds to me like that's one of the reasons why Steam is, is just getting so huge is because they're... Compared to their competitors, they're really going out of their way to be nice and non-adversarial to the consumer. Yeah. I, I got to be honest. They, all of this rantiness is making me consider Steam Box PC-style gaming in the future. If they if they do away with the keyboard-mouse combo and go controller-wise like they're sort of doing or make it compatible with popular controllers, um, if there's a unified system where like I know how the game's going to run and stuff, I might... I might start doing that in the future. Um, well, I think you can do that now in ways. Well, the problem is it's so expensive, right? So that when you buy the hardware for console, the profit's not going to anybody, right? You buy basically at cost. Meanwhile, uh, a PC system is super expensive because there's profit at every piece. Every component you buy, someone's picking up profit. The manufacturer, the retailer. That's right. You don't have a regular PC, do you? I mean, I, I could build a PC, but even when I do, even when you buy it p- component by component, no, profit goes to, to Newegg. You have to pay all Profit them, goes yeah. to the manufacturer that Newegg bought it from. Meanwhile, when I buy an Xbox, no profit goes to anyone <laughs> because they're selling it dirt cheap to get it out the door. So my $500 Xbox or $400 PS4 would be $800 if I bought it component-wise. You know? So uh, it's actually cheaper to go console route, although games are way cheaper on Steam. Um, but the the fact that the games are different and there's different sets of Steam box, well, there will be like the beginner, advanced. I, I just hate the idea that you're not having the same experience as someone else. But yeah. All right. I'm ready to move on. Okay. Ready to move on. You want to talk about Facebook comments? Um. Uh, all right. Sure. Why not? No, we actually only have like two more seconds left yeah, before like the break. Yeah, two more seconds. So it's just enough time. Let's preface it. What, what was the post and what was the comment you want to talk about? Apparently, I said something that upset some people. I'm not really sure what their criticism was, other than um, I think is that you came on, came down on people who I was too much the, of an a-hole. Yeah, 
The, vi- the gun violence thing. Oh, well. No, I'll say something slightly more substantial. <laughs> we'll be right back. Yeah, I thought it was key, because before I was only simulating. <sighs> yeah, so... Always you, sick. You right. guys don't know. Look, it's not sick. It's just the morning. It's not noon, noon yet. But you don't smoke. Smokers are the ones who wake up and are all coffee cough. I don't... I don't it's understand. the morning. Okay. So, um, last week, we very quickly, and perhaps insensitively, I don't know, brought up uh, that guy. I think this, I find this funny because this was also the episode where I mentioned that Bill Handel is my role model. But I don't know anything about Bill Handel. But if, and I'm sure none of our listeners do. But if you take if you take the effort to find out, then um, there, I'm not going to say anymore because there's just that's some, some nice irony there. Okay. So anyway, uh, last week. Or two weeks ago was the anniversary of the Sandy Hook killings, you know, when that kid went into a school and killed a bunch of littler kids and some adults. And we commented that uh, there was the second annual, uh, like, what was it, just a, a ceasefire, virtual ceasefire. And I guess you were like, well, that's BS. Yeah, well, I had a lot of fun with that, I guess. Um, here's the thing. The whole expression to me is a complete non sequitur. That's why I can't take it seriously. It's like saying, let's, let's, um, gosh, what's the word? What are they doing? Cease firing? Yeah, but what's the intent behind this? Uh, I guess to show that gamers are also sensitive to the killings that happen. Okay, or let's let's show deference, or let's show a, a moment of respect or a moment of self-restraint is what our or, commenter or whatever. Uh, it's like saying let's do all these things for this horrible event by refraining from drinking iced tea. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. That's like, what it equates to to me. And 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 I think um, or, or one of our listeners, I think it was Al who posted yeah. on Facebook. Um, he was mentioning how you know we should at least you know, come to the table. With something, right? Which uh, I'm, I'm. We also... as gamers, or we as Chatterbox hosts? No, 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 no. Just as gamers, right? Um, to be part of the conversation, I guess. And uh, this only incenses me more because that's the same verbiage that was used about. Um, actually, I think uh, some of those government uh, hearings or whatever that they had about violence, right? Like, let's let's come to the table. It's not our table, is the point. And to come to the table would imply that it is our table. And it's not even part of the discussion. It's not even, it's not even related. So you're saying, as- like, if, if there was a support group for a bunch of people who actually demonstrate aggression uh, based on video game use and them participating in a ceasefire, that would make sense because it has some relevance? But a bunch of other people just saying we're not going to play first-person shooter games for a day. I don't understand how refraining from playing first-person shooter has any relation to a horrible tragedy like that that shooting. Yeah. Well, no. If there was a clear correlation between that and aggression. I mean, okay, Ice-T is really far from that. But let me give another analogy that's a little closer. It's like saying let's not play football. This week, if we're if we're playing football this week, yeah, right, because that's something that has some violence in it, or it has some aggression in it, or let's not engage in a competitive activity. And okay. and the thing the thing that the thing that incenses me the most about it is that to come to the table implies that there is this connection, right, which is completely 
that that somehow as somehow that by by playing these first person shooters that we are doing something meaningful in terms of uh becoming more violent or Okay. Or, or do, it, it's it's not. It doesn't even jive. It doesn't so, even make sense. By by creating a ceasefire, it is potentially accepting the concept that other people have suggested. Meaning, um, other people have suggested that games cause violence, and by saying we're going to do a ceasefire, that is supporting the idea that games do do create violence. And your argument is we shouldn't even do that because that's. That's suggesting there's truth to it, right? Which which there isn't. Yeah. So not any more than there is in in playing football or any kind of competitive activity. Totally valid, in my opinion. So so to Al and anyone else who might have been been irked by that, I would suggest, you know, th- this this is perhaps a great explanation of of why it's not that we're trying to be insensitive about it. It's just. Uh, we don't. We don't think there's a correlation. Although I was trying to be insensitive. <laughs> yeah, were you? That was deliberate. Okay, I was not trying to be insensitive. Although on many other occasions does, I am. But that does not that does not diminish the message. <laughs> so uh, along these lines, by the way, did you read the stuff about um, Mike slash Gabe from Penny Arcade? Yes. His New Year's resolution about realizing he's a dick you know, and I, not wanting to be a dick anymore. I I really am glad you brought this up. Because I really want to say something about it. As soon as I read it, I made my wife read it. And I was like, so do you see? Do you see? This is me. Everything you're reading, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) There's, I'm going to say something that uh, you may not know, Alon. I hate Penny Arcade. I didn't know that. comic strip. Okay. We we owe everything Chatterbox is to them, just for the record. (laughs) Probably. But I hate it. And... Was it Mike? Mike, who made the thing, the artist, great guy. I'm so sh- well. I thought he was a horrible guy until I read this. Why did you think he was a horrible guy? Because I hate their comics so much. Because and he actually encapsulated and expressed much better than I was ever able to why I hated Penny Arcade so much, and it was because they were bullies, and because I thought that they were bullies in the most bullyish sense. In the See, most unfair sense. I never got that sense. I th- felt that they were always just really honest. Clearly. And I'm, it's clear that most gamers disagree with me, too. But all I saw whenever I read their comics was bullying. And I, I mean, I can, I can see those overtones. One, I never liked it one bit. And I think it's incredible for, for Mike to say this now, after everything. I am, I am amazed. I think that... Uh, it shows an incredible amount of um, self-awareness on his part, and I, I'm just—it's incredible that he that he even expressed this realization because that's what they were doing, and I always thought that was unfair. And I have so much more respect for them now. Well, it's good to hear. I have respect for them now, <laughs> as opposed to yesterday. Because I don't think any, I don't think their comic was deserving of my respect. So I've previous the comic I've liked because it was funny, but I liked Penny Arcade in general more because I actually liked the, those guys, right? Um, and what they put together, like the the expo and everything, the way that they brought community together of gamers and they made everybody feel because um, a lot of gamers feel outcast, right? Because on on a local level. You know, the nerdy guy, the weird kid, is is the outcast. Yeah, well, they, I mean, they certainly they accomplished a lot of really incredible things from that angle. Yeah, and so in that respect, it it, it gave a place for all of the people like me growing up these these outcasts a place where they feel like they are not that way. Yeah, I just um, felt outcast from them. <laughs> I did not feel that way, but they they were very inclusive of of the things that I tried to do. Um, I'm sure some of our listeners are aware of the stuff that that I've done. Have you been to the Penny? No, you've never went to the Expo with I, me. I haven't even right. But I ran a bunch of shows there, and they asked me to do another show, one of which I botched, unfortunately. Um, the second Family Feud event I did there didn't go very well. But um, the first one was great, and all the other years that I did the Chatterbox Treasure Box um, were amazing times. Um, in fact, I just re- put up one of the videos on my YouTube channel, like one of the Treasure Boxes, like an hour long or something, if anybody cares to see it. it's I doubt it's terribly entertaining, but you know, if you've got an hour to kill, feel free. Um Anyway, they've done a lot of really good things, and watching him post that, I'm sure, 
I'm sure it was a struggle for him to put that together. And I'm guessing that it came out of perhaps some strife in his, per- well, he definitely said it affected his personal life, but like it probably came to a head and he probably had some serious arguments with like friends and his wife and, and stuff. Um, and knowing that his guessing rather that what happens in his personal life and has such an extreme effect on him turns into him expressing this to his community, which is also sort of his family. Um, like I know that's gotta be not easy. And, uh, so anyway, I'm yeah, glad that you support it and I support it, it as takes, well. It takes a huge amount of courage to do what he did and yeah. he gets kudos for that. All right. So done with that. All right. Let's, I got some little things. Yeah, it that's good. Like we have just enough time for some little things. You heard about this Star Citizen Kickstarter? Um, it's come up on my radar several times for whatever reason. Yeah. It's made well, articles over and over and yeah. over, and well, I don't know why. The reason is because now they've like raised over thirty-five million dollars. Is that the Chris Crawford game? Is that is he connected to it? No, 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 why? no, no. This is Chris Roberts. Okay, I'm pulling names out of my ass, so um, it's definitely not Crawford. But I mean, this guy, this guy's a marquee name. Okay, but, I knew it was some big guy behind it, and. I don't know. I mean, I I don't think the game appeals to me very much, but I honestly haven't looked into it. I'm I'm just shocked again. It's Thirty five million. But how does it keep raising money? Didn't the Kickstarter end at some point? I or are they continuing I to fund know. privately? They're it's still going. I guess I'm. I just I had no idea this many people did in this game. Do I Do you know the guess. stats on Kickstarter and how much money that goes through Kickstarter is related specifically to video games? A lot. It's an absurd amount. I don't remember the stat right now because it's been and a while since the, I read it. This is the biggest one by yeah. far. It's something like forty percent of Kickstarter funds are video games. You could, like a super high fraction. I'm just, I'm, like, what's going to happen with this project? <laughs> well, that's that's <laughs> curious, right? Because they they don't even they're not bound to release anything. I mean, <sighs> reputation wise, they are. Just thirty-five million dollars. Think about it. What if he, from the beginning, actually was planning a fake Kickstarter just to walk? He gets thirty million. This is this is the point where you start wondering what's the threshold to just pack up your bags and leave the country and go to a remote island for the rest of your life. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I guess you don't want to go to the remote island because you have $35 million you want to spend somehow. Yeah. Well, also, he's not he's not bound. He could keep that money and not create anything and just be like, later, fools. <laughs> Part of the contract. I don't have to give you anything. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything else to say about it. Yeah, it's a lot of money. It's incredible. Absolutely. How does that compare to sales, game sales for real? More than most game sales, I guess. Are you going to find a Master of Science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. Welcome back to Chatterbox. It's almost lunch edition. <laughs> UAT.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. You can go there and make games. I'm getting a little hungry. Oh, wait, we're yeah. still doing the show. Okay. Okay.
So uh, we just watched some of the Kickstarter trailer from over a year ago for Star Citizen. And we don't want to take up this whole segment on this stuff because there's another thing we wanted to bring up. But um, I have a couple concerns here. So he's made a ton of money, only $2 million from Kickstarter. But I guess they're collecting money elsewhere. To his continue pedi- collecting his money pedigree for is Wing Commander. Yeah. Which yeah, I, sh- yeah. I should have remembered. Yeah, we should have. Weird. But actually, These games played... are not ones that you and I play all that much. I never played Wing Commander. Really? Wing Commander was good. That's what they tell me. Yeah. Anyway, uh, well, I think I played Wing Commander 2. I was young. Anyway, uh, so certainly he has a history of making quality games. I don't expect the guy to jump ship. Uh, But here's what's interesting about this. He's a guy who has grand vision. In fact, in the video, he says, no one's ever accused me of having small vision. If there's anything that I'm not misunderstanding about, it's of the vastness of this mission. Oh, oh, yeah. He made it clear that this will be a very big game. So here's the problem. In what I will call the real world of, of development, when you have a publisher or a company telling you when to have a deadline or that you have to actually release stuff, um, you have those milestone points. And I, I respect that this guy is probably like, I mean, he's a veteran, clearly, of the industry. Um, and he understands the concept of, of milestoning and actually releasing a product, right? But he has no strict liability here. It, he's already got the money. He's got a huge vision. He has what I assume is a desire to make something really, really good or, you know, perfect. In other words, the artist's vision, which is never complete. Um, I am very worried for the people who put their money in the $35 million um, that they will either not get anything ever or will not get it for a very long time. And that things will morph a lot because he's got nothing nailing him down saying we've actually got a release by the end of 2014 or some other time. I mean, he's probably made statements at this point, but yeah, there's nothing kind of, rock solid forcing him to like do it. All the risks that are typical with crowdfunding, but now they're just all extreme because of the extreme funding level. Yeah, well, for all of his personal risks are gone. Well, true, yes. Right? I Isn't mean, that interesting? he doesn't have to perform to satisfy a publisher. He doesn't have to perform to satisfy the people. I mean, he wants to, but he doesn't have to. Um, and so given that an artist is never finished with their work, uh, and right off the bat, he has a very, very grand vision for this game. Um, it, it sounds like a recipe for disaster to me in terms of customer satisfaction and timelines. Uh, it's already been over a year since the Kickstarter closed. And I, I didn't look into it deeply enough in the three minutes between, you know, the three minute break we had, but, um, you know, I don't. I don't know how much he's he's said. Put his foot down and said, "We will release an alpha or a beta or whatever at this time." I seem to recall <clears throat> that one of the things that is the reason why this is such a popular crowdfunder is that they seem to be an extremely they seem to be extremely good at communicating the status of things. With, I hope with their funders, and it looks like there was some kind of. So it, it, I haven't been following it closely because I don't care all that much. But from what I have seen, they give really regular updates. They give uh, like, I guess they're doing like live streaming of demonstrations of where they're at with the software and things like that. And um, so developers who have good communication skills. So like we were talking about in the last part. I mean, by by all by all accounts and by specific accounts that I've read. People are saying that they're doing uh, everything right and everything that should be done okay, with the I'll, crowdfunded project. I will concede to that, but so, it still sounds to me well, – so, yeah, I mean, so, the, the ingredients are scary. It's scary, and the bigger a number like 35 million gets, the scarier it gets. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. All right, so let's switch gears. Last week, you wanted to talk about what we did not talk about. And it's not a new – it's no, a but new, it's, it's new to console of... Castlevania game, Mirror of Fate in HD. Okay, so the full title is Castlevania Lords of Shadow, Mirror of Fate HD. And there's a reason why it took me so long to realize that this is a new game. Because it's not a new game? Well, part of the reason is because there's like four, there's like three subtitles there. Um, and when I saw it online in, in, in the stores... In the digital stores, it took me a while to realize that it was something new because not only not only do all these subtitles now run together in terms of recall, but 
Also, the, the cover art also runs together. It just looked like another old one. So anyway, this has been out on like PSN, Xbox, Live Arcade since like October. But this was out even earlier. Maybe October was a 3DS release. It was first on 3DS. Here's the really interesting thing. Is that the developers say that they actually originally developed this on HD... And then they had to detune it, so to speak, for the 3DS, which came out first. Which is ironic because it, even in HD, it kind of looks like a 3DS game. Well, yeah, okay, so this is the part where we start talking about the game. So <laughs> my initial reaction was extremely negative, and it surprised me so much how negative it was. So that's why I wanted to talk about it, and uh, I want to hear about your reaction, Alon. So, I mean, I already knew that you had a negative view of it, so I was prepared to be unexcited. And then and then I played it at your request. And, uh, and, and I, I have to preface for everybody before you continue that um, my, pr- my, my, my giving you the expectation or priming your expectation to be negative, I know for sure, has no effect on your actual opinion about it because because I'm objective that's okay that's the that's the politically correct way <laughs> to put it you're very objective uh, to to be honest I do think it it swayed me more it swayed my expression of discontent right like I would have been like eh, it's okay but because you said you didn't like it I came up with a fancy way to tell you how horrible it was um See, see, I would expect you to try and find a reason why you would enjoy it when I told you that I disliked it. Really? That's what I was getting at, yeah. Oh. But anyway. No. Um, yeah, so here's what I thought about it. It is a game that I'm playing on what is still like a relatively newfangled piece of hardware. I mean, it's the 360, right? But it's, uh, it's not a PlayStation, right? It's not the original model PlayStation or something. And even though it's a $15 game, I, I'm just thinking of the... The ecosystem of gaming opportunities today, you can buy the full-fledged game or you can buy, you know, a digital-only PSN or Xbox Live Arcade game. And it's understood that those games cost less and have less content and are less polished, right? We understand that going into it. But I still expect the game to live up to some expectations, like to look like current generation or to meet sort of the design expectations that I assume the developers had. Uh, But when I look at it, I'm just like, this is an underdeveloped game. Like, even though it's only 10 hours of gameplay, then that 10 hours should look polished. I mean, if it's by a major company like like a Konami product would be. Uh, and it just, it looks like they took the 3DS version and it just had higher resolution on it, right? Like, it's, it's low poly. It handles poorly. Um, the game itself is not very deep. Uh, although it was fantastic to learn that apparently this whole time, Dracula was Simon Bel- Belmont's grandfather. Spoiler! Did you never know that in the Castlevania games? I don't know. See, I don't. I, I can't even. I can't even respect the newer games as part of the canon anyway. So I don't care. But it, but it is. Okay. Dracula, Simon Belmont's grandfather. Well, I had no should, idea. They should tell us what happened to Satan in the previous games then. Okay. Um, so he, let me tell you my impression because we're running pretty close to the end. Yeah. He, what it was really the you can tell from the first several seconds of gameplay that they co-opted God of War so obviously. And I found it really interesting to look at their design choices because to me, right from the start, it was like, this is this is how to make a bad action game that just parrots other popular things because this is what they did, right? It's like, okay, uh, make your attack. And, and I got, we got to mention, this is like a side-scrolling game of 3D assets. Yeah, so it could be very much like the original Castlevania. So at played, first, I was like, maybe it yeah, is. Well, it, it, it it's like that, played. but with God of War comboing. It could have played, yeah, and not just comboing, but suddenly your whip attack uh, takes about half of the screen. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that's extremely. I'm not even going to explain why these things are wrong, but I'm just going to enumerate them. So there's that there's everything is just so big at least at the beginning that there's you get like hardly any sense of a variation of traversal space and modern games do this all the time right if you look at older like zoom in yeah or at least more classic style stuff everything's a lot smaller and I, i said i wouldn't say the reasons why now i'm saying the reasons why 
And then the other thing that they did, which is, uh, once again, like a choice that you make in the God of War style, is even in, even the first several enemies take a whole bunch of hits, I guess just so you can see the action of, oh, you know, look how cool these attacks are. Yeah, the combos wouldn't be necessary if you didn't have to hit them 20 times. Yeah, and um, these are all just really bad design choices. And the irony of all this is that it seems like, or apparently according to the developer, they... If they hadn't have gotten this project, that developer would have gone um, like they would have had to close or something worse than that. And so it's like I can just hear the criticism now, right? Like, look, you don't like this game, but this game is giving people jobs. And like, look, I don't want to take jobs from anybody, but the game objectively is... Maybe your job is to make something good. Is not, it's not a good game. I'm sure the who worked on it, well, I'm not sure if they poured their hearts into it, but... Yeah, it's you, you know what I felt also when I saw it. Do you, do you remember the game enough? Like it's it's a dark night. Uh, there are torches, like yeah. a candle, like a what looks like a street light, right? It's this thing like sort of hanging from a post with a, a flame in it. Yeah. Do you remember that from the original Castlevania? Candles that you can break yeah, to get of hearts. Of so they had an environment that was laid out like the original Castlevania with torch-like things that I might be able to crack with my whip. Yeah, but they're just background in this game. Yeah. So they could have played homage to the old one and they didn't. Well, I I guess they consider that to be the homage, but it's just too, it's just too far removed from what Castlevania is in spirit and feel for me to take it seriously. And that's what disappoints me as a Castlevania fan. I agree it was disappointing. We'll leave it at that. End of show. We will, uh, we'll be back next week, guys. And, and that will mark, I believe, our 10 year anniversary next week's episode so until then have a good night or day or afternoon or lunch all of those things bye bye guys you've been listening to chatterbox video game radio tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming and remember all your base are belong to us